Welcome back, I'm Kim Bailey, she's Fulian Rosborn, and this is Inside Exec. Today we're continuing our discussion with Bishoy Tadros and we're focusing on purpose, patience and perspective. So let's get back to our conversation. All along the way, you know, the obstacles were there. From when the college counsellor told me, we don't do investment banking and mm-hmm. you're never going to make it investment banking. And those three years between when I graduated college until when I got into the bank, those were very painful three years. I never knew if I was going to make it. I thought I was going to get stuck being an accountant when I had no desire to be an accountant. I thought I was never going to be able to get to a point of, of comfort in my career. I had taken on a, a fairly good amount of student debt just to, sit, to do my MBA um, in, in the States. And, and so I never really knew that it was going to get me to where I wanted to go. And then when I got to J.D. Morgan, I had that whole other concern of, okay, well, am I going to be exposed, number one? Mm-hmm. And then number two, am I ever going to be doing a function that I'm actually good at? You know, my, my, my forte is not sitting behind, you know, all the terminals. My forte is being in front of clients. Are they going to ever let me do that? And so that was the next thing. And then most recently, this was actually within the last couple of months, so I was at J.D. Morgan for seven years. And I, I noticed the shift, uh, you know, in, in terms of industry from, from banking to technology. And the overwhelming aura is that it's really difficult to make that transition from finance into the world of technology. And just last month, I, I actually made the transition from JP Morgan to Salesforce. And I think it caught a lot of people a little bit off guard to kind of see that I, I, I was able to drown out the noise and in spite of the fact that, it, you know, there's a constant of, no, that never happens. It's more like, no, 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 it can happen. Just just let me, let me do what I need to do. I think what you just told us, how important are all the skills, not just the technical skills, the financial, the derivatives and the, the, the dealing desk, but it's the communication, is thinking from a client's perspective, is interacting with others, influencing skills. And these all, you again prove that they are transferable and now you are with Salesforce and you will be using that again. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the one thing that has been consistent throughout my entire life is the passing along of the transferable skill set. As a child, I watched my father a lot. And the thing about my father is that he can be talking to somebody who's extremely distressed and in a horrible situation one day but also be talking with a diplomat the next day. And the thing I picked up about him is that he doesn't change his approach with either one. He realizes that both of those people breathe the same air. And ultimately, it's that perspective and how he does it with such grace that has helped me interact with people throughout various arenas of my life too. From a professional perspective, that's helped me big time because for me, I'm not necessarily intimidated by walking into the boss's 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 office yeah. and I'm not intimidated by having those conversations I, I think what's led to a lot of my success if you want to call it over the last couple of years is that I, I'm not afraid to get in front of an audience because of him and because of the way that I kind of have seen him over the last mm-hmm. over my entire life really and, and so that's been a big factor tell us now a little bit about your book the purpose of writing it, first of all? Yeah. I had never, ever thought I was going to write a book similar to I never thought I'd be doing podcasts and I never thought <laughs> I'd even share my story. So it's all happening very, very naturally and I'm very, very 
very excited for it. So ever since 2017, where I ran the New York City Marathon and my story became a little bit more public, I had started getting into the arena of speaking engagements. I'll never forget my very first speaking engagement. I, I had not a clue what I was doing. I spent a month preparing a deck and um, I, I, I thought to myself, why am I rehearsing? My, like I, I shouldn't have to rehearse my own story. I should actually know my story. <laughs> It was a very good experience for me because ever since then, I was able to kind of refine it to the point where I realized what it is that I want to hone in on, messages that I want to pass along. And I've been doing that for the last couple of years in different contexts and writing different pieces. And last year, I had kept thinking to myself, I had an itch to, to write a book. I didn't know the first thing about writing a book. And I Googled, how many words do you need to get to 100 pages? Because I thought 100 pages would be a respectable book. <laughs> and so Google told me it was about 20,000 words. Right. So I got to writing before work, after work, whenever I had time, even if work was slow, I'd bring my laptop and type away. And eventually I got to 20,000 words and I thought to myself, oh my God, maybe I have something. And I kept typing and I had a friend who I asked to refer me to one of his author buddies, and he yeah. did. And I spoke to his author buddy, and I said, hey, I don't know a single thing about a book. I basically have a very big Word document right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and he, he said to me, he said he, said he had an editor, and he'd love to introduce me, so he introduced me to the editor. The editor looked at it, and he said, no, I, I actually think we have something here. And so we've been working together over the last three, four months now, where that 20 something thousand words ended up spiking up to 50,000 words now yeah and um, yeah now we're in the stages of, of condensing it and he, he told me I just spoke to him two days ago and he said to me he said he said I assure you we have we have a book <laughs> I said, all right let's, let's do it I guess I guess there's a book coming out it all happened very naturally there was no plan and the purpose of the book when people ask me you know and he told me this he told me that I cannot avoid calling it a memoir. I don't like to call it a memoir. I don't think of it as a memoir. I don't like to talk about it as a memoir. For me, if you were to ask me what I want the purpose of the book to be, I want someone to pick up the book, and I want the purpose to be to channel the mindset to overcome different obstacles. Yeah. I like to use my own story as a backdrop. You know, it's because it's all I know. Yeah. But ultimately, what I want the takeaway to be is I want someone to read it and to understand that, hey, if this immigrant child can overcome all the obstacles that he went through as a mm -hmm. child and use those obstacles to draw his path in his adult life, then there's yeah. no reason why I myself cannot do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think probably what you don't see in, in writing it yourself is what we would see in reading it is that you're actually providing the tools for people to do that. Because you're talking about the thinking mechanism and you're talking about the action steps that you took. And so for people reading it, they're going to be able to relate that to their own journey, not so much just be reading a memoir, because I wouldn't see it as a memoir, I can tell you now. I'd see it as a, a learning tool. Yeah, and then that, that is 100% my intent. And one of the key takeaways that I, I, I focus in on is that at any given point, and this this is particularly relevant to folks in, in, in New York where I live because New York is such a grind. Someone can take the hand that you've been dealt and figure out a way to win with it. Yeah. Because in mm. New York, your seat is so cherished, whether it's your apartment, whether it's your job, 
whether it's whatever it may be, there's always somebody that wants what you have. Yeah. Mm. And so it's important to kind of operate with that mindset of, again, someone can take the hand that you've been dealt if you think it's a bad hand and they're going to figure out a way to win. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And I think that probably relates to pretty much everyone everywhere. Yes. Is that, that yeah. Even in this country, there's people who look at Australia and think it would be wonderful to live. The weather's wonderful. There's no snow. It's all of these good things. And yet we, we're we complaining today because it's May and it's starting to get cold. <laughs> and cold for us means like it's 70. That's cold. Yeah. I'll take 70, yeah. <laughs> On that point of patience, you demonstrated that and obviously very successfully and very inspiringly. Do you get a bit impatient when somebody with a very minor problem see it as a big obstacle? No, I don't. I, I think I have to put everything in, in perspective. I mean, I know they, they all tie together, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Around Not everybody has the kind of background that I have, mm-hmm. right? And I, I, I think... You go through the, these things as a child, it's a little bit different than if you go through it. It's certainly different than if you go through it as an adult. Yeah. Because as a child, you have so much more time to think and to dwell on it and to ask yourself why. I mean, as an adult, maybe you have a little bit more in terms of distractions, whether it's a job, whether it's family, whatever it may be. And so I, I think back and I think to myself that I learned the tenor of patience under such different conditions. Mm -hmm. How did I learn about patients? I learned about it because as a child going through treatment, I had to understand that I wouldn't get the results I want when I want them in terms of health. I had to understand that I had to go back for another round of treatment, even though treatment was at time. I mean, the spinal taps in particular were very painful. Mm -hmm. How do you explain that to a five-year-old? Yeah. yeah, you know, it's not like explaining it to a thirty-year-old. So mm. I had to, I had to make peace with with those kind of understandings at a young age. Where now, if someone were to be impatient over something minor, I have to understand that that, that kind of tenor was not instilled in them because they probably didn't have that kind of background. Mm. So when you look around you at your work associates, what do you see as the quality that's lacking? And when I look at my associates, what do I think the quality is that's lacking? Hmm. I'm just thinking for me, if I looked at my consulting clients, it's probably patience is the thing that's lacking. Everybody's in a hurry. I think it's it, it's different for different environments. Okay. I, I have to say I've seen elements of all three, really, because when I speak to the financial services industry in particular. At times, I felt like purpose was lacking. That was one of the things that over the last couple of years also kind of drew me away from the industry along with other other items. But when I started to feel like people were going through the motions more so, delivering the same kind of, or executing in the same ways that were effective in the past as opposed to being a little bit more innovative, that's when I started to feel like we are missing out on some purpose here. Right. You know, I think that draws back to the very first question you asked me which one was most important yeah. if I had to pick one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think that there needs to be a constant element of, of challenging yourself. Mm, yes. And once you lose that, I, I, I think that's when it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. What we're hearing from you is that individuals need purpose as well as the organisation needs purpose. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think the, the best kind of organizations are the ones that work with people who are seeking out purpose on an individual level yeah. and figure out ways to unite or find the parallel between the company mission and the personal mission. Yeah. Fabulous. We're running to the end of our questions, Viva. Anything else that you would like to share with us? I think we, we did a good job of really touching on the three main tenors, patience, perspective, and purpose. Those yeah. are the three items that I talk about, not only in the book, but whenever uh, I'm in front of, of a larger audience. A couple months ago, I was invited back up to my alma mater to speak to the students. And, and one of the questions, or the number one question that I received to start off the talk was, if you can go back 10 years, so basically when I was back in college, and, and ask yourself or give yourself one piece of advice, what would that advice be? The, the funny thing was I actually stumbled a few times before I answered the question. That should have been the number one question I was prepared to answer going into that. <laughs> and, and the answer that I gave them was that if I can go back 10 years, the one piece of advice that I would give myself is that life is not nearly as mapped out as you anticipate it to be. 21, 22, 23. Mm -hmm. And if you had asked me at 21, 22, 23 where I was going to be and if I was ever going to be in this element where here I am sharing the story that I held on to for almost 30 years, I would have told you no way. Mm -hmm. And and so that's another key takeaway that I think people need to understand is that life is about swerving, it's about twists and turns, there's no straight path. And every element or every step of the way over the last 10 years or so was a step that I really never saw coming. So I I would leave you off with that. And in terms of any other links to me, I I have my website, bishoytadros.com, and all of my pieces can be found on that. And as soon as the the book is available, uh, word word will be spread. Fabulous. Can I just ask one more question? Just when you, you talked about that looking back, if we were to ask you a question 12 months from now that said that looking back into the 12 months that have just passed, what would you like to be looking at and say, oh, I've done that? So if you were to ask me 12, month, 12 months from now? Yep. yep. Like, if, like a year from now? A year from now, yep. What would you like to look back on to, to say that you have done? So I'm running the New York City Marathon this year in okay. November, <laughs> and I have a personal fundraising goal for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of $100,000. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I would love to look back a year from now and say that I accomplished that. On top of that, I think that's what really kept me excited about the book is because I do believe the book is going to be the spark for me in terms of building awareness, and mm-hmm. I, I intend to give a portion of the proceeds toward that campaign. Yep. That's, that's what I'd like to see. That's fabulous. Bishoy, I just wanted to say congratulations on your outstanding and very, very impressive achievements to date. And thank you so much for your generosity in sharing your thoughts, your actions, your techniques with others. I'm sure it's going to be extremely well received. Thank you for having me. It was, it was really, really a special opportunity. And for my part, I do thank you as well. We will wrap up there. We've been talking to Bishoy Tadros. This is Inside Exec. I'm Kim Bailey. She's for the Osborne, and we will talk again soon. <laughs>